0: You enter the cave and encounter. Ho- hold on, hold on. Let me let me flip to the back of the book. Uh, uh, a, a goblin.
1: Okay. Uh, can you draw out the map? I can't see where we are anymore.
0: Uh, oh yeah. Uh, sure. Um, okay. Let, let me flip to the front of the book. What page was that? I don't ah, here it is, page thirteen. Okay. So wall goes this way. Then ten feet up. A squiggly here, a square root of pi, divide by twelve. Alright, looks like this will work. Alright, and there.
1: Uh, thanks. Okay, oh, was, uh, was Lord Betamere still with us? Can can he join the fight?
0: Ugh, hold on, that's in section two. Dang it, my pages fell out of my book.
1: Well, well, never never mind. Can you just give me a description of the room?
0: Uh, okay, well, that's that's back on page thirteen. Uh, where's page 13
1: this time on becoming dm we're talking about running published modules hey everyone this is john
0: and this is felicia
1: and we want to start off by saying thank you to andrew weisner who submitted the idea for this episode uh thank you andrew mm-hmm. i haven't gotten you your sticker out yet but i will hear very soon um if you have an idea, please uh, feel free to submit it to our website, dm.com. Just click on contact and send it in. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but before we begin really getting to the episode, I do want to mention one thing about uh, a future episode. We're, we're going to be running an episode in the future where we're, uh, we're talking about worst moments and failures of DMs. This was another listener contribution, and we really like it, but we think it would be best if we if it wasn't just us talking about our failures but if we heard from from <laughs> everybody about their failures it'd be kind of like a gigantic dm therapy session
0: <laughs> oh, yes we can all console us ourselves in in our grief
1: <laughs> yeah so if you have an i if you have a a story about a bad dming experience or or poor decisions that you've made as a dm and 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 the chaos that resulted of, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, There's a few ways that you can send that to us. Uh, You can type it up and send it via email to contact at becomingdm.com. Now we would really like to hear your voice on our our show so if you want to record it and email it to us you can do that as well but if you're not in with the whole fancy recording doodads uh we do have a phone number you can call and leave a message uh so if you want to call 214-613-1701 uh you'll have the option to leave a message there and we can pull that message to have on the show as well now, there are a couple of guidelines we'd like to uh, to throw out there. I'm going to throw it over to Felicia to throw some of those out.
0: Ooh. Okay. Well, remember to include your name, where you're from, hair sample, eye scan, <laughs> blood sample. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, just your name um, and where you're from. Uh, and just make sure to explain your story Uh, In a way that like if someone were just randomly coming in and joining the conversation, they'd be able to understand what's going on. So, you know, make it short, sweet to the point, but make it interesting and make it uh, where we can definitely get what's going on. And uh, within those guidelines, please, pretty, pretty, please keep it under two minutes. As much as we would love to hear your voice, uh, you know, we don't necessarily need 20 minutes of dialogue.
1: Yep. And last thing, try to keep it fr- family friendly. We've got a lot of people from a lot of different age groups that listen to it. And the last thing I yes. want to have is for uh, for somebody's mom to call and, and yell at me. <laughs>
0: Golly G, that's right.
1: <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and get into talking about the episode. And and mm-hmm. I like this idea from Andrew because I feel like a lot of new DMs um, choose to run modules, which is a, a great way to get into the game. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really difficult to understand where to start. You've got this book that, I mean, I'm looking at at the starter set book and it's like 60 some odd pages mm-hmm. and there's <laughs> all sorts of formatting and weird stuff. So I think it's a good place to talk about where to where to start there
0: yeah um it also comes with its own little rule book as well which was one thing i appreciated when i was first running a published campaign because i I, of course i had a copy of the player's handbook but that's a much bigger book with many, many more pages. And so it was nice to have like an abbreviated version of the rule book that directly applied to the campaign I was running. So that was nice.
1: Yep. So with this episode, we're going to try and give you shortcuts and suggestions to make that game move a little bit smoother. Uh, we're going to kind of talk through how we approach modules and what things we mm-hmm. try to do before the game even runs. And then some things that we try to, to do to make it make it just run better when we're in the session. Um,
0: yes. And and for the sake of this particular episode, we're using the lost minds of Phandelver as our example as we go throughout this episode.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, we're doing that because we feel like a lot of DMs either have that or start on that. Uh, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. by no means does it does this advice apply only to that module. If you're running Pathfinder, the, the stuff we're talking about here will apply to the modules and adventure paths and stuff like that that are in Pathfinder as well. So don't feel like you're being left out just because we're using that as an example.
0: Feeling left out.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know.
0: (laughs) No, no, you know, people out there like Pathfinder too. It's totally fine. It's cool. Whatever.
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) um, the first place we should really talk about is deciding on a module. I know we've talked. We're talking Mm. about Lost Minds in this one, but when you're talking about running a module, the first thing you do have to do is decide what module you're going to run.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's a plethora of. Uh, Pre made campaigns out there for you to choose from. And, you know, for me, The Lost Minds of Fandelver just made sense just because it came highly recommended as a good first, you know, pre made campaign for uh, up and coming DMs such as myself.
1: Yep. Uh, But when you're thinking about it, I mean, think about. The, the type of game you want to play as well as your players mm-hmm. so if you've got a bunch of new players and and you're looking to get started running games then that's why that's why so many people do the starter set and lost minds but if you're wanting mm-hmm. to do something like uh, a little bit more gritty a little bit more dark there are there are adventures out there for that if you're looking for something a little bit lighter there's things out there for that so just take into mind what what you want to do what your players want to play when you're when you're choosing mm-hmm. that
0: and, and also like a big thing about that too when it comes to your players is the level of Mm, your actual players because when i first started lost minds of fandelver i wasn't just a new dm all my players were relatively new players um or their characters were brand new and so everyone was essentially starting from the ground up so it made sense and the adventures within that campaign you know appropriately applied to that level
1: um, and then, with it within, within uh, systems like Pathfinder, you you can buy adventure paths, which take you basically from level one all the way up to level twenty, um, with mm-hmm. this gigantic chunk of story and adventuring. Um, so, if if that's what you're looking for, that's a that's a direction you can go as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's also good because a lot of these pre-made campaigns, you know, it's not just for like one particular level. I mean, and I'm speaking from. Experience as a D and D DM, but you know it can go. It can accommodate a range of levels. Like it allows, like similar to Pathfinder, it allows your players to um, level up, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through experience and adventures, they can slowly get um, to higher levels. So at the beginning of the campaign, they started, and at the end, they end up at a different level. And I think even in some of them, it'll tell. Oh, by the end of this adventure, your players would have gotten to level 4 or whatever. Right. Um so it kind of gives you a good idea of like what to expect from a campaign if you were actually starting from the ground up. At least from, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. I am not actually sure how the logistics of adventure paths work in Pathfinder. Well,
1: adventure paths you're you're basically starting at level 1 for a lot of them mm-hmm. and and you and the the adventure path is basically built to run you through all 20 levels. So mm-hmm. That may sound really exciting, like wow, this is a great way to get to level twenty. But at the same time, I I would I would give a word of caution, mm. uh, especially if you're you're playing with a brand new group of people. You don't mm. know that these people are going to work out. You don't know that that these people Perfect. are going to stay on. Uh, you don't know yeah. whether or not the the adventure is going to just fall apart in two sessions, and you have this partially played adventure path. That uh, that maybe some people want to want to start a new game, uh, but it can it can kind of sour your your opinion on that that adventure path, or or you may just not want to run it again uh, because you spent so much time on it on the first time and it fell apart.
0: For sure, yeah. I think you know, even though it's like, yeah, you would like to build it out in the long run of things. It's always important to like still appropriately keep an eye on like the short term, <laughs> the short term goals. Because yeah, you're right, like. I've had at least several people in my group that came and they went and I started my campaigns in one way and then they went into a different direction. And so, you know, for me, I, I'm not even like I don't even concretely build out towards a really, really long term goal. I just kind of let my campaigns run naturally as my players level up um, because like I, you're right. I don't like for me, I don't necessarily know if we're going to continue this particular campaign with these particular players for the long run. It could be just, Hey, a few more sessions and then we want to start something new. Yep.
1: And, and so that kind of really dovetails into the next thing to talk about is, is to turn to, mm. to think about the length of the time that you're going to reasonably run your game. Uh, and he everybody first. has, has the ideal. It's, it's, it's never going to stop. It's always going to be running. Everything is going to be perfect, but look at realistically <laughs> the, the stage of people's lives that they're in and, and what's going on there because if let's say mm-hmm. you you run a game with a bunch of college students once they're out of college they could move somewhere else and it may be more difficult to continue running that uh but so just keep those things in mind to understand what realistically is the length of time do you have to run the game and I, i'm talking about like real time calendar time and then mm. you can take into, into account how much you're going to be able to meet and kind of mm-hmm. do some calculus there. Um, square root it's of calculus. pie, all that stuff to figure, <laughs> <laughs> figure out how much you can really get through with, with what time you have left with your, with your group.
0: No, that makes absolute sense. And like my sessions, I mean, especially now, like it's, you know, we're, we usually do like a once a month kind of gathering. So uh, we plan for that, you know, knowing that our sessions, because they're only once a month, that they're going to be rather long sessions. And we kind of plan that and work around it. Um, you know, if I were to say like do once every other week, then, you know, each session would be shorter and then those types of time constraints would change. So, you know, it's not an end all be all kind of thing. It's just, yeah, you're right. Like you just have to kind of see how long your players are in it for the long run and life happens and commitments change. And, you know, maybe they can adapt and accommodate or maybe they just go their separate ways and you try something new with a new person.
1: Yeah, or I mean, if you've got people that roll out and roll back in, and you're okay with continuing to run the same, the same campaign, the same module or whatever, mm-hmm. then that's fine. Uh, just be prepared for whatever it is that you're you're going to do when that happens.
0: For sure, and I mean, especially as a courtesy, like you know, as a players. This just kind of goes out to you guys. You know, it's always nice to have a bit of a heads up as a DM before you decide to book it. (laughs) So, you know, if if uh, your campaign, you know, commitments don't work out, you know, just give me a session or two to recover from the tragedy of it before you head out. Um, And also to give us an opportunity to transition because once the dynamics change, a lot changes. So, just a little request as a DM to players.
1: (laughs) Yep. And when you're thinking about those modules, another question you have to ask yourself is, are you playing online or in person? Because that will yes. sometimes affect how you buy it. Um, mm-hmm. I know that with a lot of modules uh, that you can buy them, for instance, on roll twenty. i when I was looking at running lost Minds for my my youngest kid, I bought the the hard copy, and then pandemic happened, and we started playing online. Mm-hmm. And I bought I bought a copy of it on Roll Twenty as well because it comes bundled with with maps, and it comes with uh, characters pre built if you're going to use the pre built characters, and it comes with little mm-hmm. tokens for everybody, which was it's kind of handy, uh, but. it's also going to matter what you're comfortable with. I would probably, if I had bought it digitally at first, I probably would have still bought the hard copy because I like to flip back and forth between the pages as necessary. And it's just easier to do. You like the back and
0: forth. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I agree. I'm definitely like, I mean, when I keep track of like stats and like combat, I still use pen and paper. Like I'm just very old school. It's just easier for me. I think you've transitioned more to the technological Side of things when it comes to implementing your campaign, but I I definitely feel you there. I'm I'm definitely a a page flipping kind of gal.
1: Yep. Yeah, I, I do a little bit of both. Honestly, I track mm-hmm. initiative and and stuff like that with the with the online tool. But when I have a bunch of monsters, I'm tracking all their hit points and stuff like that on paper, just because yep it's easier just to cross out and write the next number and and go from there. And
0: squibble and yeah. Well, and then I've actually got one or two of my players now that. Are doing like pretty much all of their stuff you know digitally now too like either on their phones or like they'll bring an ipad where it's like you know their stat sheets and everything they gather and update it's it's all on you know like it's on their phone or their ipad and i'm totally fine with that mm. um you know but yeah it's just it's kind of interesting to see like how everyone kind of incorporates their personal preferences into the same campaign yep. technology <laughs>
1: <laughs> um once you have your module selected, it's it's time to get started, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think yep. that you and I probably would pr- agree on what the first step is: is is reading through that module. Uh, yes. Basically, just experiencing what's in it so that you understand what's to come, and yes. and being able to um, being able to basically take that and understand if your players go a different direction, then maybe in order the module is written, you're not floundering going, Ah, I don't know what's there <laughs>
0: Yeah. I've I'm guilty of doing that a time or two or not necessarily reading through the whole thing, just reading through the first part and then we end up getting further than where I had read, so then I'm trying to figure out what to do after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't do what I did.
1: <laughs> and, and one of the things that you were mentioning to me when you first started running a module was about the, the different kinds of text and how there's some information in some paragraphs that you're Ugh. not sure about. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. So uh, a tragedy that is my life as a DM. <laughs> um, okay, so when I first, first started DMing, I decided to actually use the Lost Minds of Phandelver as like my jumping off point just because there was just so much I didn't know about DMing, and I was hoping that the structure of a pre-made campaign would kind of fill in those gaps for me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they did. Like, a lot of times, you know, I had good guidelines and reference points and blah, blah, blah. But then I would get to points, and my crazy over-analytical mind would kick in at the same time. There was parts, and again, I'm just speaking for these particular modules, but if anyone else has played this particular pre-made campaign, you may agree that there are portions where the module gives you a bit of backstory to whatever portion of the campaign that you're in. And then it'll be like, okay, now read this part to your players, and it's a little text block, you know, portion that just essentially describes the setting or something. And so I was thinking, okay, well well now I'm confused. The backstory that I just read it doesn't give anything away per se. Am I supposed to give that to the players as well? Like a little bit of context? Or is that just for me as a DM? And if that's the case, then what exactly is, am I supposed to gather from it? Like, what, what do I get from it? Like, okay, great. I knew 500 years ago that this used to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or this this was Wave Echo Cave. And there's tons of magic here. Okay. You know, do I do I tell that to my players? It was just very confusing to me because you would get to certain portions of certain parts of the campaign where like, oh, can I roll for history check? Can I roll for investigation? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know that this part had blah, blah, blah magic. And I'm like, well, okay, so that, I could tell them that, but what about the part before where it was giving me some backstory? Like, how would they know about this part if I didn't read from the backstory? Mm -hmm. And it just got really complicated in my mind because I felt like the information that was provided in the backstory would have been good information to impart to my players. It wouldn't have given any spoilers away. Um, and it wouldn't have necessarily detracted from the enjoyability of the game because it just seemed kind of silly to read the backstory and just keep it to myself as a DM. So I just I just didn't know what to do with that information. But yeah. you brought up a really good um, counter to that when I was telling you about it, about, like, hey, maybe, like, if you felt like it was good information to impart, maybe, like, when they do a history check or, you know, something like that, maybe you can kind of throw it in as, like, little extra tidbits, which is smart, I think – and very resourceful, but not something that I would have known to do as a DM, like, yeah. first starting off.
1: And, and I mean, you could also have it where they overhear a discussion at, at, at the pub mm-hmm. or something like that. Just being able to to intersperse that, but just looking at it, it really doesn't tell you what to do with it. Uh, so no, we're talking it about on uh, on page three of the module. There's a background section that has four or five paragraphs, so and it's a much, lot of information. So much info. Yeah.
0: yeah so much information. And uh, like, this is really interesting. Okay, what do I do with this? <laughs> <laughs> okay, like you know, you watch a movie, and maybe like they're like the Star Wars, you know, where it's like the scrolling text saying like you know, in a galaxy far, far away, you know, like do I do that? Is that what this is for? Like, it was just very confusing. And as a brand new DM, I just, I hadn't gotten to the part where I could intuit or I hadn't gotten to the point where I could intuitively tell what I could share and what was not worth sharing because I just didn't have any experience. So it was just a lot of information to take in that I didn't know what to do with. And so it just made it that much more challenging for me. And for a module that was supposed to be, I thought for beginner DMs, it, for me it kind of took away a bit from my yeah. DMing experience because I I just didn't know what to do with it.
1: Yep. And my very
0: long-winded story. Yeah, no, <laughs>
1: I, I think it I think it's valuable because I, I bet that there's a lot of people out there that read through it and and wonder the same thing. I mean, I haven't run a whole lot of modules myself, but when I read through this one, I thought the same thing too. I was like, well, what am I gonna share with them out of this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Should I share this? Like, tell me your secrets, lost minds of Sandelberg. <laughs>
1: um but along those along those same lines, there's there's also the concept of a block text where the book tells yeah. you to read this thing to your to your players and i hate that
0: (laughs) oh my god i cannot read verbatim i feel so silly doing it
1: yeah you it's it takes out of the immersion immersion of the game because you're explaining one way and then you're like hold on Mm -hmm. let me read you this paragraph and a half about what's going (laughs) on in here uh yes by by reading through the module ahead of time you can you can get more acquainted with those block text sections so that you can explain them in your own words. And it's not reading from a script.
0: Yes. And and it's not to say that like, it's not well written. That's, that's definitely not the case. It's just, if you're not prepared for it, it can be very jolting. And then it does, it takes it away because you feel very awkward and it feels very, I guess, artificial when it comes to like storytelling. And, you know, when I get to give descriptions, I like to kind of give them in my own way. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually, you know, with humor. <laughs> um, but yeah, if if I don't read that stuff ahead of time, I'm not going to be able to know how I'm going to tweak it or how I'm going to change it if I want to or how I want to convey that same information. Um, so yeah, read read ahead. Yeah, j- just to
1: reinforce, it's not badly written. It's just not written the way that you would probably say it if you were if mm-hmm. you were going to read it.
0: Exactly, and and that's the whole point. Is like you know, this is supposed to be like your story that you're telling, and so you know, you want to be able to make that process as smooth as possible. Yep.
1: Um, so the next thing is, is really understand what NPCs are built into the game and determine Mm -hmm. how you want to handle the personality. Now, uh, Lost Minds has kind of a listing when you finally get to the town of of several of the NPCs that you can find in town, mm-hmm. and it provides a little bit of information, but not much. like the bartender is a gruff dwarf that's that's the just description of the mm-hmm. bartender and, and that's all you get yeah and if if you if you don't take a moment to to understand who's there and maybe what relationships they have and and how they're going to react to the to the players uh you you kind of i think miss out on on a part of what what could be i mean you could have a really enriching town life where you could just have it where all the all the people that are are mentioned are just their quest givers you can go talk to them and they'll give you a quest and that's it
0: (laughs) yeah a very like two-dimensional means to an end yeah yeah no for sure i think you know like for me i like to take opportunities to make encounters funny or enriching or memorable in some way shape or form and it's really funny because like the gruff dwarf bartender is a very common trope I think Mm -hmm. (laughs) happens like every bartender has one of those um and I just for me I when I first came across it I just like I knew what it was and what it was supposed to be but I just I don't know I felt like there was more I could do with it so um you know for, like, my bartender, for example, you know, it, it wasn't just, like, a gruff dwarf. She was a female dwarf, and she had a very huge crush on one of my um, party members who was also a dwarf. And so her big thing was just, like, she would essentially do anything so long as, like, you know, he gave her, <laughs> gave her the time of day. Very <laughs> flirtatious. So, you know, if, she, if he wanted to know the latest information or gossip, you know, all he had to do was kind of give her a wink, you know. Maybe give her, like, a cute little dwarf smile, and she'd be, like, just let him know whatever he wants to know.
1: If he was willing to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. But which was really funny because then the other character in my party, he countered it because he was like, well, I don't like short chicks. I like tall chicks. So <laughs> so it was really funny because he was very reluctant to like encourage her in any way, shape or form because he wasn't attracted to her. But then there were times where it was like he was kind of forced to like, yep. and it, those moments were really funny because, you know, we were all just acting that part, you know, and, and that was so much more fun than, yeah, the, like, your just, than just dealing with dwarf. the gruff
1: dwarf who had some quests. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. And it gave them a chance to, like, be part of the the fun, the joke, you know, to be part of that humorous, you know, aspect. And so, yeah, I thought that was a little more fun.
1: Yep. And... Also yeah. on the subject of NPCs, you you also need to understand what NPCs you might want to have in there that aren't written mm-hmm. into the module. So we talked about there's a bartender in Lost Minds, but maybe there's not. Or maybe they go to a different bar because they like the way that it smells better, or whatever. <laughs>
0: it smells better. Uh,
1: but having having something planned out for that, or maybe when they come into town, there's this adventurer fanboy. I I like the concept oh, of this God. adventurer fanboy. It's like, oh, your adventures cool. Hey, can I see your sword is it sharp do you (laughs) just like going a little overboard with it
0: (laughs) you have your very own personalized stalker
1: exactly and it's not (laughs) something that would necessarily follow them out of town into combat but while they're in town it may ruin their plans to be maybe sneaky and oh are you are you sneaking are you gonna break into that place
0: (laughs) (laughs) so silly like hey guys what are you doing yep (laughs) no those are funny little additions and actually it's one that i had never really thought of to like throw in there. Uh, so yeah, the if, if, uh, next time we do a campaign, I think I might have to try that one out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and really those are just examples. They could really be anything that makes sense for your campaign. So if you uh-huh. like to have a certain type of NPC that inter- interacts with the, with the, the characters, you can build that in there. It, the, the book is not the end all be all. You can add stuff to it as much as you'd like.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and at any rate, the the book is rather brief in its descriptions mm-hmm. um, of said characters. You know, I think it does keep it as simplistic as possible, and again, it just kind of caters to those common tropes. Um, so, you know, yeah, you can you can build that backstory. You can um, make their characters more robust, especially if you plan on ever incorporating what you're currently doing in a premed campaign into something further down the line.
1: Yep and I think that this is something that's not really ever mentioned in any of the any of the modules uh, lost Minds has like a little bit of a tenuous grasp on it but understand what the motivations of the characters are why they might be motivated to go down this path other than just like mm-hmm. hey this is what we're playing guys
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's treasure at the end yeah
1: and, and for a lot of new players treasure may be the simple thing but yeah. For people that have played for a while, they may just feel like, yeah, treasure whatever. Uh, blah blah. And and for those more, more expensive, experienced players, you, you may have to work a little bit more to find uh, the relation find a, a way to hook them in. And you had a you had uh, with with one of your your players had a way to hook them in to one of the characters that's defined in the in the module. I'm thinking of G- yeah, Gundren yeah. and Renee.
0: Yeah, and so my husband, Renee, like, it, it actually, it's really funny. I can't really take full credit for this particular idea because it, it was really Renee that kind of spun that up. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, he's a dwarf and, you know, the particular characters involved, you know, as far as those that we were trying to rescue were also dwarves. And so Renee just kind of wove it into them being his cousins. And so, you know, it was just sort of, like, family honor, and these are my cousins, and, you know, I'm I'm here looking for them. Uh, and it became this whole thing um, involving, like, you know, family relations, and we just kind of built on that. And that worked out really well, obviously, for me, because, like you were saying, you know, we're, we're involving something more motivating than just gold mm-hmm. or, you know, materialistic things. It was, hey, there's, like, a family dynamic here uh, that we could build upon, and then, of course, it spun into profit anyways because he was like well i'm a family member so whatever they get for profits i'm gonna get too because we're related so (laughs) i guess in the end it really was about gold wasn't it
1: well and and the thing that i liked (laughs) about that is i think renee did a really good job of using that that tie that that character relationship to the npc to Mm -hmm. to to inform his character's decisions and i I think he did a great job with that where there was a choice to do a couple of things and it was like, no, we got to go this way because we got to save my cousin.
0: Yeah, exactly. Definitely where it was like, especially in moments where I think the group was somewhat indecisive. And I think that really worked in his favor. He was like, well, y'all do what you want. I'm going to go save my cousin. And then they kind of just all followed suit because you know, if it really meant nothing to anyone else in the end, then you know, that motivating factor at least helped them to make a decision to move forward in the game. So,
1: yeah, because gold will motivate most people, but, you're you're chasing gold at that point. So maybe the main storyline doesn't seem as lucrative as this side quest. So I'm just gonna mm-hmm. t- focus on this side quest now, guys. We'll we'll let this guy get tortured. I don't really care because the gold's over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah.
0: And you know it's really funny in our campaigns, Renee so rarely goes for the things that seem like there would be good decisions or that would make the most profit. I think Renee just sees like the most opportunities where he can create chaos in my group. So <laughs> You know, that's just how he does it.
1: Yeah, but for, I I think having something else other than that gold to tie your your characters to the story is really helpful Mm -hmm. because so they're not just chasing gold.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I, I definitely agree.
1: Thanks for joining us for the first episode of 2021. Continuing this year is Darkwind's sponsorship of the show. So if one of your New Year's resolutions is to have more fun, check out Darkwind's online text-based role-playing game today. It's free to join and takes seconds to set up your character to start playing. So go to play.darkwind.org to start playing now. Before we get back to the show, I realized I didn't provide a ton of information about Adventure Pass and Pathfinder. So here's a quick overview. Adventure paths are a set of six books, each providing one part of an adventure path. The parts have a connected theme and story and come together to make a campaign. Uh, They typically start at first level and a party can follow the path and level up to the high teens or even level 20. If you're playing Pathfinder, check them out. And now, back to the show. All right. Let's talk about preparing to run the game. And I want you to talk about the first part because <laughs> I know you have some stories around this.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I have, like, PTSD from, like, my first <laughs> my first <laughs> campaign. Um, but, you know, one of the frustrating things that we hinted at at the skit was talking about, like, having to flip back and forth uh, when you come to, like, enemies or monsters. You know, it'd be like, oh, okay, you're in this part of the module, and all of a sudden there's, you know three, you know, ochre jellies or something like that. And then I'd be like, oh man, like ochre jellies. Okay, well, hold on. I've got to flip back to this back section that has all the creatures. Let me, alphabetical, let me find the O section. And okay, there's the ochre jelly. All right, let me see if I can try and write down these stats really quick and then flip all the way back to the encounter where the map was so that I can make sure that I can monitor (laughs) where everything was and how many feet away. And it just ended up being this whole thing of page flipping back. And in fact, to such an extent again, like the skit, I did so much page flipping that like my pages literally tore out and like would fall all over the place. And then I couldn't remember where the front was because the cover of the books <laughs> are made from the same pages as the pages themselves. So you can't really feel for like, the oh, this is a thicker page. It has to be the cover. I couldn't. And so all my pages got backwards and it was this whole thing. Yeah. So the monsters are on the back of the book. Long story short on that. Um, yep. But yeah, the back and forth flipping was definitely a very tedious process and not something that I was a big fan of, uh, even to now, even like now I've, I'm, you know, running a pre-made campaign as well. And it's that same process. It's like, okay, I would have to go to the back of the book to find those stats. So anyways, I, I found my own personal workaround just because I, I knew I was committed in the long run for it to be enough of an investment for me. But I essentially just bought all of the monster decks, <laughs> the mm-hmm. monster card decks and when i read ahead in the campaign i would see what monsters we were going to come across in that session and i would pull them from the deck and then when we did come across those monsters i have like a very like just low key dm screen and i would you know roll tape or use double sided tape and so when they come across that monster i would just stick the card on my side of the dm screen on that tape so that my players could see the picture of the monster which was nice and on the back side of the card the part that was facing me, I could see the stats. So it worked out really nice in two ways in that my players got a visual, which was always nice um, because my miniatures rarely match up the type of monster I'm throwing at them. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then the part that I needed, which was the stats, was right there in front of me, and I didn't have to keep flipping um, back and forth in the book. So that was my personal workaround. But I will say that the decks don't come cheap. So, yep. um, you know, it's just one of those things where if you find yourself doing that, then, um, it might be a worthy investment if, if, um, you find that that particular workaround does work for you. Cause I also do it in the campaigns that I make myself. So it's not just for the pre-made campaigns.
1: Yep. And I mean, if you don't want to spend the money on the deck, uh, completely understand it. There's there's lots mm-hmm. of other ways to do this. You could just simply write sure. down all of the stuff in the stat block in a notebook. It's a little bit tedious, but it would prevent you from flipping back and forth. Uh, yeah. What I did for a while there was I would take my phone and and just take a photo of the stat block and then save it in in uh, in Trello. But you could use whatever note taking, OneNote, Evernote, whatever uh, that 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 works out well for you. Um mm-hmm. but if you're doing something like roll 20 and again if you've bought the module you can just simply search for it and it brings the the stats of that that monster up there. So uh, one one of the good things about playing online is is access to some of that stuff that's there.
0: Mhm. Um I, that's what I was saying you're much further along on the technological front than I am. <laughs> I'll stick to my deck of cards.
1: <laughs> well, whatever you do, whether it's cards or writing it down, photos, whatever, make sure that you get the entire stat block because there's a lot yes. of stuff in there that's important to, to running your game. Uh, make sure that you're looking at the immunities, you're looking mm-hmm. at resistances, what they do for damage, what attacks they have. And we talk yes. about a lot of this stuff in our My Favorite Monster episodes, um, mm-hmm. but but. Any monster that's in the game is going to have that. And that's Pathfinder, d d it doesn't matter. Now, while, while, since I mentioned Pathfinder, I'm going to take a, a quick step aside here real quick and say I haven't done a whole lot of published modules in Pathfinder. The ones that I've done have been third party and they had the monster with the first encounter you saw them so Mm. that first encounter was very easy but if you encountered them later again you were trying to flip back to that encounter and be like oh what page was that on and flipping it back and forth so
0: you're still flipping pages
1: yeah and i I feel like it was a little worse than having it at the back of the book because if it's at the the back of the book you know it's there and you just flip to the back of the book and you search through Mm -hmm. it a little bit where if it's with the first encounter you're like what page was that encounter on
0: yeah where was that encounter on what page
1: Yeah, and... No, that makes sense. The official ones may be different. They may do it like the D&D ones do, uh, but just whatever it is, you know that it's going to be a problem because they're not going to print that same monster multiple times throughout the book.
0: No, no, yeah, for sure. Um, And then, you know, moving away from monsters being the only challenge in pre-made campaigns, encounters in and of themselves can also be something that I feel like you do have to prepare yourself for ahead of time, even if it is a pre-made campaign, because, you know, while you certainly will have a lot of encounters provided for you in the module, um, you know, you may have to make some more counters for your group, or you may have to tailor the ones that exist. Mm -hmm. Um, And this depends on your party. Like, do you have a smaller party? Do you have a larger party? Do you have those types of parties that, like, (laughs) throw in the quirkiest of questions or, let me try this and see if this works. And all of a sudden you realize you have to like make something completely new for them. You know, just know your players, know how they play, know, you know, the, the stats of your players so that you can adjust your encounters for them accordingly. Um, and this isn't just like difficulty radio chat, like of challenges in them of themselves. Like it's not just about making it more difficult for experienced players or keeping it easy for those newer players. This, this is just about, You know, also tailoring to their preferences, you know, if if you have I had one where there was a player who uh, the whole group was supposed to grab a person was like an alchemist, warn them about impending danger uh, and try to get them back to the town safely, but that my NPC was supposed to refuse their help. And then one of my players was like, "Well, I have the ability to see futures. Can I prophesy her future and then show it to her and show what's going to happen if she doesn't come with us?" And <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh. I was like, "Look, she's giving you a note that says, "Thanks for the help. Uh, no thank you." I was like, "But come on, if you're going to show someone their future, And you see them getting eaten alive by some monster if they don't come with you. How are they supposed to say no to that? So I had to try and, like, counter that by saying, oh, you had flashes of random images, but you don't know what order they're in. So she doesn't really make any sense of it. Uh, So no. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, like, what kind of players do you have dictates how you tailor those encounters towards them, their decision making, um, or if you create a completely new encounter altogether?
1: and it's also going to going to affect how tactical your your enemies are going to be. I mean, you still want to mm-hmm. play with what the enemy would do naturally, but sometimes I will if I have a group that's not very tactical that that they go through combat just to get through it so they can get to the role playing stuff, I <laughs> will I will hold back on tactical stuff because I know that that's not a part of the game that they are super into whereas mm-hmm. some that's all they're into, so I will go full out, do everything that the monster is capable of doing to to be tactical and strategic and stuff like that.
0: For sure. that yeah, definitely like decide like what kind of players they are in that sense, and then uh, adjust accordingly. so yep um, yeah.
1: and also with with your encounters, the other thing that you really need to make sure you do is to review and write down. Any sort of unique mechanics for that encounter. So, mm-hmm. um, going back to Lost Minds on page eight, when they when they enter the players into the Kragmaw Hideout, there's this nook with these wolves that are chained up, and there's several things there mechanic wise. Like somebody can use an animal handling check to calm them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you taunt them, then they can make a, a strength check to see if they can free themselves. And if they roll this, they get to do this and. So there's <laughs> there's and and that's a small small encounter. there's I think three or four wolves there, so the bigger the encounter is, the more chances there are for something like that to to kind of throw you for a loop if you're not prepared for it, so really make sure that you're familiar with what all those mechanics are. Some of the mechanics mm-hmm. may be simple as that where. The wolves are chained up how do you deal with them some of them may be how the terrain works uh this is a this is a slope that if you go down you will slide and you have to make a roll to stay on your feet or this is a cliff that you can try to climb up uh, mm-hmm. things like that
0: yeah and it's actually interesting you were mentioning the wolves I um, was playing another pre-made campaign <laughs> where uh, there was a monster that my players were supposed to or were coming across and you know, first thing was like, all right, you know, we're going to fight it and go into combat and, you know, they end up killing it. And then I find out after that, after the encounter, there's a little subset that was like, oh, you could have talked with the creature and, you know, bribed it with some meat and it would have just flown away. <laughs> and I'm like, it's going to tell me this afterwards, you know? <laughs> and I was like, why, why couldn't it said this beforehand? You know, like, this is what you encounter. You can fight it or you can, you know, yep. try to, try to reason with it. And you know, at this point now, it's for me. It's like okay, any any t- like creature with a, a decent level of intelligence and not completely chaotic evil, there's probably some chance of trying to, you know, communicate with it. And sometimes that works in our favor, and sometimes it doesn't. But you know, some definitely aren't. You know, there's not really much bartering with an ochre jelly. Um. Some creatures have a good intelligence, and that was one frustrating part in that particular module where it wasn't until after the fact that I even knew that that was an option. Um, or there's sometimes where it's like, hey, it is an intelligent creature, and you try to speak with it. But that was one thing I think in, I think actually it was in Lost Minds of Fandelver. It was a group that you guys were with, and one of my players who was Dragonborn wanted to try and speak with the dragon to try and convince it to leave them alone. <laughs> but the module didn't provide any guidance on that. So I was like, I don't know. What is the dynamic between Dragonborn and dragons? Like, is is that a thing they can do? Or is it sort of like, ugh, Dragonborn, you're not even full-blooded dragons. Like, no, I'm, yeah, you're scoffing at you. And so that's the route I ended up going with anyways, just because it seemed funnier. Yep. Um, But yeah, like, you know, the, there's definitely one thing to like keep in mind with pre-made campaigns, you know, it's not all comprehensive. So <laughs> when you come across situations, like you were saying, where there's this group of wolves, it definitely, especially if you're reading ahead of time, kind of contemplate on, you know, perhaps the most, like, what's the word? The most, uh, not common, but, you know, those scenarios that are most likely to come up that your players may present to you so that at least... When you're in that moment, you're not necessarily stuck like a deer in
1: headlights. (laughs) Yep, yep.
0: So, yep, you know.
1: So next thing you probably need to do is look at making your maps. Uh, A lot of the modules, actually, I don't know that I've ever seen a module that doesn't necessarily come with maps included. (laughs) Yes. But those maps are in your book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Yes,
0: very tiny little like two inch by two inch. No, I'll be fair six inch by eight inch or something
1: yeah but it needs to be a lot bigger for your players just to fit oh, their yeah. tokens on stuff <laughs> like that um but if you have bought your 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 uh your module via something like Roll Twenty. Those maps are going to be mm-hmm. made, so yay! Uh, <laughs> but if you don't have copies of the digital maps, you do need to you do need to look at building them using whatever method you're going to use. So whether that's dungeon tiles like like Felicia uses, or Ooh. or making your own digital maps like I do with and Forge, mm-hmm. you get the cool Fog of War stuff. Or whether you're just going to draw on a a whiteboard with a grid on it. Um, However you're going to do it, just plan ahead with far enough time so that uh, you're not uh, in the middle of a campaign saying, hold on, guys, let me test out my artistic skills.
0: (laughs) So, you know, it's really funny that you say that because I had a really bad habit of like reading through everything and then kind of drawing in the moment (laughs) what I needed. Um, only because, like, usually, like, the, the grid map that I have, in order to make it to scale for my players to actually play on, it requires, like, the majority of one side of my grid map. So I'm constantly flipping back and forth, mm-hmm. but that really only means that I can build two sections out at a time. And then I have to erase them, and then I have to build two, like, you know, draw out two more with my dry erase markers. So I hadn't gotten to the point where I was like, well, maybe I should buy more than one, like grid maps so that i can draw more ahead of time um just because i am not building dungeon tiles for those maps like those <laughs> maps are crazy comprehensive huge with all these twists and turns i i don't got time for that but i will say that i am part of a face uh facebook group of um you know crafters and i have seen some people who have literally built out the entire like crag castle like the whole thing it's this 3d you know huge like gigantic scene you know all of the pathways and everything and not like tiles but actually built it out um like the whole scenery Hmm. very impressive i'm sure it must have taken them a long time to do i i don't have that kind of skill set so i I don't have that kind of space let's be honest (laughs) right yeah because then i'm like what do you do with it after like where do you put it um but I, I have realized that for the sake of pre-made campaigns, it's just easier for me to draw it uh, dry erase board, not dry erase board, but, you know, on a grid map with dry erase markers. Um, and then for my own pre-made campaigns, I'll, I'll use dungeon tiles because I like being creative in that respect. But I have found myself admittedly leaning towards the more digital route when it comes to pre-made campaigns. Um, I have being the cheap person that I am gone on Google and just literally typed in like Cragmaw Castle map and boom there it is. So uh and I had that provided on my TV and I would just try to zoom in as much as possible so that the players saw as little of the rest of the map as possible. But I think I really, really like to play with the like you were saying the fog of war um or the parts that kind of let you cover up the rest of the map and then you can kind of reveal it as the players go along. Uh that seems like it would be a really nice way to incorporate into gameplay. So I might, I might actually try that next time.
1: Yep. Uh, So when you're, when you're thinking about maps, maps, don't don't draw out every single map in the beginning. You uh,
0: don't have to, I promise. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but but you do make sure that you plan far enough ahead that, that you have mm. what you think are two sessions worth because inevitably what you think are two sessions worth will sometimes end up being one session worth. Sometimes it'll end up being four sessions worth. It just depends on yeah, the group of players.
0: Sure. And, and just a little small tidbit for those that do try to draw it out, and this may seem like common sense, but hey, whatever. Just... Try to use different colored markers, like your water's blue, Mm. your forest is green, everything else is black, because if you try to do it all in just one color, nothing's going to make sense.
1: Yeah, and and let's just put this out. Nobody cares that you have poor artistic skills.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very true.
1: I cannot drive, draw a rectangle to save my soul, but I have drawn maps and nobody has complained about them because exactly. we got to play D&D or Pathfinder.
0: <laughs> exactly. They better be grateful. Plus, it's a grid map. You have all those like lines to help anyway, so...
1: Yep. All right. I think that's enough about maps. Maps. <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing is really to plan out some travel encounters because for a lot of modules... Uh, they're just going to provide the adventure, and and when you have to go from point A to point B, they may not provide any sort of uh, travel encounters at all. So it gets to be one of those, Mm-mm. hey, we're going to go from here to there. Let's cue the music that we just transport there immediately. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you want to have those those travel encounters, then you may need to build them. Now, Lost Minds does have a have a. Um, travel encounter table on, like, on page 27 for the Tribor Trail. But it's all combat encounters. So if you wanted to do something a little bit different, have a little bit break from combat, it's not going to be in there. So you you would have to build something out on your own.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it keeps it pretty straightforward in the sense of, like, the type of NPCs and the type of encounters. So I wasn't necessarily surprised that... You know, what it did provide for the Tribor Trail was was mostly combat encounters. I will say this, though, that it wasn't until I played, you know, this part of the campaign that I even realized that, like, tables were a thing. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, there's this table. And and it tells me this if I roll this, you know, this particular number on my 20-sided die. Like, it was just like, oh, like light from the heavens so uh, <laughs>
1: because you love because a good I, table <laughs>
0: I do I love my spreadsheets and tables and charts it's just so enjoyable
1: Yeah and if you're wanting to give your your uh your game some of these travel encounters but you're not sure where to start we have an episode for that so if you look up Ooh. episode 19 that's becoming slash ep 19 there's an entire episode about making travel interesting, and you can mm-hmm. take from that what you want or leave what you want and do what you want there. Yippers. Uh So the next thing really is going to be to identify some of those gaps and missing info that that are gonna happen uh, in your in your module, and it's a published module. There's people that go through and edit things, and and they're gonna catch a lot of things that maybe you on on a self made adventure. You might miss, but there's still Mm going to be some stuff that's just not there. The first thing is really going to be maps, actually. (laughs) I was going to say,
0: wait, I thought we were done with maps, John. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I know we said that there's a lot of maps that are included in there, but there are a number of encounters that you could potentially have that have no maps. So... As the DM, you need to understand what it is that uh, that you want to present in those encounters. Uh, the mm-hmm. one thing that I'm specifically thinking of is if, if the players go to Wyvern Tor in Lost Mines on page 35, there's a camp of orcs which are hanging mm-hmm. out in a cave. There's no map for that. So you could make that and make it as simple or as complex as you wanted it to be because they left it up to you. <laughs>
0: For sure. And and I guess the beauty of that is it really, you know, even though like the bigger co- like scenarios do have maps, like it's nice for me to have seen that not all combat has to have like a grid map. Mm-hmm. But like some of this can be a little theater of the mind yep. while keeping the bigger stuff to, you know, like having a visual aid for the bigger stuff. That was a good learning lesson for me as a new DM was to see that variety, which I think was their intent. Um, So I I could appreciate why there wasn't a small little map for this, but it's definitely something just to keep note that it's not, again, it's not going to give you everything when it comes to, like, visual aids.
1: Yeah, and it's perfectly reasonable to run those encounters as theater of the mind. It's, It's sometimes a lot easier for some of the smaller encounters to do that but I know Mm -hmm. that there are some players that if you say roll initiative and there's not a map in front of them, they're going to be like, what's going (laughs) on?
0: (laughs) I don't know where I'm at. You're standing on top of an orc. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, go ahead. So, Oh no, I was just saying, so, you know, on that subject of, of missing gaps, I think the biggest one that I had noticed was throughout the entire campaign, you know, we're, you know, you get treasure and you get a certain amount of this and that. And, you know, you may or may not come across like precious gems and things like that. And I hadn't, I was like, okay, that sounds good. Only until I realized that Fandalen doesn't have an actual place to sell <laughs> gems and precious stones. So I was, then I was like, well, okay, what am I supposed to do with all this then? Like we have <laughs> gold pieces and silver pieces and all this stuff. And then I have like all these gems that, okay, great. They're pretty to look at, but... I I have no way of doing anything with these. You know, I don't know what their value is. I can't sell them. Like, my players can't sell them. Like, what do I do with them? And I, I guess maybe the intent was, like, subversely, like, them encouraging you to, like, build out your world to, to eventually go to a city where they could sell it at. But for me, in, in the context of the game itself, I had always just figured that, like, the treasure that you would acquire would be the treasure that you could do something with. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was just, it kind of seemed like a bit of a, of a, gap a big of a little plot hole if you will where it's like hey congratulations on getting all this treasure you can do nothing with <laughs> like, thanks minds of fandelver <laughs>
1: yeah so you had mentioned to me that one of the things you did to kind of help help rectify that was to have a traveling yeah. merchant that showed up in town every so often
0: Yeah. So what I did was, because we did end up, I I ended up building from this particular um, pre-made campaign. transitioned it into the next one, um, you know, the next campaign, the pre-made one that was, you know, essentially took place in the same area and then continued building the campaign from that. So I didn't want them to be weighed down, like weighed down by all of these gemstones they could do nothing with. So I had to find some sort of solution. So I, yeah, essentially, yeah, I had it so that, you know, there was um, one of the employees from one of the stores in town made a monthly trip to a major city that was x amount of miles away and it took them weeks to get there and weeks to get back so my players did have the option of handing over their stuff to this particular individual who would then take them to the city and sell them for them and bring back the profits but if they did so they lost 20 percent of the profits because that 20 percent went towards this store for you know, security and for transport of the gems and, you know, administrative fees. I don't know. Um, But yeah,
1: you could also leverage um, a traveling merchant or crazy Al, the traveling merchant as, as (laughs) as one of your travel encounters. So as, as, as we've said, Travel encounters don't have to be combat, so it could be some weird Mm -hmm. merchant that happens to just be traveling with a gigantic backpack full of stuff. (laughs) Yeah,
0: like was it Resident Evil Four where he's like, "What you buying? What you selling?" (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, absolutely.
1: Also on that missing information front, I feel like some of the side quests are a little bit light on information to start with, and and this is an area where, if as long as you're doing a little bit of preparation. You can determine what other information may be out there that, if they do a little mm-hmm. bit of investigation, they can find. But it's up to yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: know. Yeah, and and I, I I guess it's just sort of like maybe maybe the the pre made campaign was trying to provide a variety of <laughs> scenarios and side quests that were like oh some are robust and some are not. But I I found a lot of them not in a, I'm not trying to be overly critical. I just I agree with you. I find that a lot of them were sort of light on the context so it sort of made it hard as a dm to know what to do with it if your players made more in-depth inquiries especially if i didn't read ahead uh there was one scenario where it was like one of the npcs wanted you to investigate for them to find out what happened i think it was like to a book or something like find out what happened to this book blah 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 and i guess or maybe it was a necklace i don't know some some object (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, it turned out that this object got lost over, like, way back. It was lost by so-and-so because it was handed to them by so-and-so. And you could only find out that information by talking to this other NPC. But I guess for me, that particular side quest, for me, I was given the impression that I was going to find satisfactory information to take back to the person who was inquiring. And the only information we garnered from the whole thing was, eh, I guess someone lost it. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's that, that's the answer that I have to give back to them? Was that, that someone lost it? Yep. Sucks for you. So, yeah, I I had kind of wished at that point, because I was not at the point where, I, um, as a good DM should, I had actually read ahead and knew what to expect. I, If I had done that, I think I would have built that out a little bit, or I probably would have changed it so that it was maybe more of a satisfactory answer for my players who put that much time and effort to, like, find out this answer and investigate for them.
1: Yeah. And if it's something where either you aren't happy with it and can't figure out a way to do it, you don't have to include it. You can always just not have it be part of the adventure in in general.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So yeah, do as you will just read ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the last thing on the uh, identifying gaps and missing info is I feel like With, and this is not just for lost minds, but I feel like any sort of published module. Um, or a lot of them. I won't say every because I know it's not every, but a lot of published modules they'll have a, a quest where you have to go and it'll eliminate something. You have to mm-hmm. clear out the the Red Brand's hideout and get rid of the Red Brand. You have to kill the mm-hmm. orcs in the cavern. You have to chase off the dragon. You have to do this, or do that.
0: Get rid of the necromancer.
1: Yeah, and and you you do that, and you come back and you say I did it, and they say great. Here's Good some job. money. You don't even have to prove to me that you did it. I'm just going to take you for your word.
0: You seem like a worthy fella.
1: So I feel like that a lot of those types of of elimination quests, I feel like need to have some sort of way to show proof. Um, you had one where we had to to collect body parts of the orcs that we were Heck getting yeah. rid of.
0: Okay, look, I was I was inspired by The Witcher. You know, the the video game, because mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, you killed a monster and you cut off its head and you took it back. And everyone knew you killed the monster. Where else would you have gotten a grotesque head from? <laughs> Seems satisfactory. Um, and along those same lines, it's really funny because I had played the pre-made campaign that is linked to this one. Um, and it was back to that same story I was telling before. It was like, hey, we've got to go find this alchemist and warn them you know, that there's danger, blah, 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 and take them back to the town. And then we can collect our, you know, 25 gold pieces or whatever it was. Um, but then you get to that encounter and I'm reading here and it's like, oh, so they get there. And then the alchemist is like, meh, I'm good. I'm not going anywhere. Yep. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, then how am I supposed to collect this 25 gold pieces? And the only information that I was given was that she won't go with you, but she'll give you a note to take back to the mayor saying, hey, thanks for the warning, but I'm staying right here. And I'm like, so <laughs> she gives you a note to take <laughs> back. And and I'm like, so maybe this like Minds of Fendelver, someone brought up that same point that you were saying where it's like, hey, there should be some sort of proof that I, you know, accomplished this mission. And the best thing that they could come up with was for the person to write a get out of jail free card <laughs> note for you to take back so that you could still get your 25 gold pieces. And I was just like... <laughs> You know, in 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 real life, anyone could have written this note. I could have just written the note and been like, "Hey, we told her," and she said, "Nah, I'm good." But here's a note to prove it. Yep. And it goes back to the same thing, where it's like, "Yeah, you seem like worthy people. I'll take your word for it that this is her note." Yep. Like that didn't that didn't solve anything. Solved nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like there's some some sort of mechanism that you need to that needs to be implemented there. Whatever it is, it's probably different for every game, but something needs to be for done for sure.
0: I should have just cutting off one of her fingers and taken that back as proof. <laughs> like, look, here's her finger. You can see we met her. We warned her. We took some of her back.
1: We may have killed her, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> she, may have, she may have bled out, but gosh darn it, we finished this mission.
1: Yep. <laughs> So mm. next thing when you're, t- when you're running a module is really to think about what's next because eventually you're mm. going to end the module and having a plan for what you're going to do after that was is really helpful. Now, yes. you don't have to know what this plan is when you start running it, but uh, when mm-hmm. you're getting to about the halfway mark, you should really start thinking about it so you have plenty of time mm-hmm. to wrap up those thoughts and, and figure something out.
0: Yes. I mean, at the very, very least, the biggest decision you need to make is Are you going to incorporate this pre-made campaign into something you plan on building for your players? Or is this one of those things where it's done, it's finished, you know, and you're going to just start making something new, you know, Jasmine and Aladdin, a whole new world kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's that's the biggest decision you've got to make at the end of all this.
1: But uh, if you're going to do the continuing on, you do need to make sure that the conclusion of the module is going to make sense for where you're going to go after that. So, exactly. Lost Mines has the party. If they help out and they find Wave Echo Cave and everything's uh, Mm hunky-dory, they get a 10% share in the mine but yep. never really says what the mine is going to generate. So is it 10% of 10 yes. gold? Woo-hoo!
0: <laughs> woo Yeah, all right. Don't spend it all in one place. But what <laughs> does
1: that 10% mean to your players? Does it make them yes. wealthy? And, and how is that going to affect a game moving forward? Um, mm-hmm. If you need them to be poor, you I guess you could always say that, well, they tried to mine the mine, but there really wasn't anything in there.
0: <laughs> and then there was a cave-in, and then uh, that's it, uh, the end. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, I've actually been very fortunate in that I've sort of dodged this bullet up to this point. That's maybe sound like a bad DM. But, because um, they
1: haven't asked about it?
0: They've kind of, like, hinted here and there. And I'm like, oh, golly, what's that? Oh, it's an owlbear, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> just sort of avoiding that. Because you're right, it doesn't. It mentions nothing about that. That's a very big loose end that is not tied up. And uh, when I played the other pre-made campaign, again, that's linked to that same area. With the same, you know, characters and same town and everything, there's still no mention. <laughs> there's still no mention of uh, anything talking about what those profits might be. So, yeah, it, it definitely leaves it very open. And I, I didn't know what to do with it. So I've just sort of been avoiding it ever since. <laughs> it takes a
1: very long time to make profit.
0: <laughs> really long, you know, at least five years.
1: Of course, I know that at least one of your players will listen to the show, so I- I'm sorry if he if he asks yeah, about this now. I
0: know. Oh, <laughs> I screwed myself over. I've really got to think about it before we start our next one. <laughs>
1: Uh, but <sighs> if you are going to continue on, you you need to think about are are you going to homebrew the next section or are you going to run another module? Uh, so with mm-hmm. with uh, Lost Minds, there is Dragons of Ice Spire Peak, which takes place in the same spot, and it's kind of a natural transition. Yep. But there are also We've a number of other modules that are in Forgotten Realms that you could very easily uh, mm-hmm. kind of meld in with with that.
0: Yes. Um, Or you can make it crazy complicated like I did, made it way harder on myself (laughs) by playing the pre-made modules and then for one session doing a random side quest that I made as a homebrew and then coming back to the campaign and then straying away from it again for another homebrew and then coming back to the next module. So, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff mixed in there. I don't even know what's mine anymore and what's the module's.
1: It's all together now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh.
1: But if you're going to build your own world, the the thing that you need to understand is, are you going to continue using those characters? I like the mm-hmm. idea because the players have all gotten used to it. As long as they're happy with yeah. their characters, I don't really see a mm-hmm. need to necessarily say, no, no character for you. Uh, yes. But if you're going to do that, you need to figure out, where, how how you're going to start that next campaign. I, I like to do mm-hmm. maybe a, a long journey, a sea passage, or a caravan. Yeah. Random teleportation. Are, uh,
0: yeah, Dragon Ball Z, instant transmission. Yeah, there's a number of ways to do it. And these are really great. I, I especially like the idea of long travels to another location mm-hmm. because I think one of the things that's very a very underestimated thing when it comes to making campaigns are those travel encounters and something like this really allows you to like hone those DM skills when it, you know, in those types of, um, situations. So if you're not sure what to do with travel encounters or how to make them better, this is the perfect opportunity to really take the bulls by the horn, if you will, and, and sort of see if you can improve upon that.
1: Yep. And, and the last thing I'll kind of say on this is when you're deciding what's next, make sure to go back to what we talked about at the beginning and really keep in mind those things that we discussed. Uh what the players like, mm-hmm. what the theme is, the level supported, all that stuff is gonna come into play again. So it's back something too basics. Yep. Something you'll keep coming back to.
0: It's almost like a, a rehashing of a an, what is it, a session zero. Yep. If you will. Especially if you do decide to transition into a home brewing. Um those things that you definitely want to like touch base with your players and make sure it's something that they're going to continue to enjoy.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't hurt to say, hey, what what did you like? What did you dislike about mm-hmm, this adventure mm-hmm. to try and get get a better feeling for what direction to, to go with it?
0: Yep, yeah. it is true.
1: Well, I think that's all we had. I say that's all we had, yeah. but this is, probably, I think, one of the <laughs> longest episodes we've ever done. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, all in one session for sure. Yeah. We can break this up into two episodes or anything.
1: <laughs> so, uh, thank you for joining us. And if you're running a module, best of luck to you. Uh, mm-hmm. Use these tips and uh, and good luck. And t- yes. And uh, until next time, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. As always, it really helps when you share the show with friends to help increase our listenership. Send them to our website becomingdm.com or Facebook. We are facebook.com/becomingdm, and on Twitter we're at becomingdm. Becomingdm is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.